Responsible, but no passion. What a boring life. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, welcome into the 48 Days Radio Show, where each week we take 48 minutes to dive into real-life questions about finding your passion, deciding what kind of life you want to live, and then finding or creating work that allows you to show up every day excited to be able to do something that is meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. Hey, welcome to the 48 Days Radio Show. Well, our business partner today is FreshBooks, the accounting system for all of us who are taking charge of our life and finances. Hey, 48 Days listeners, I got a little special announcement I want to slip in here before we start the podcast today. This next Monday, this coming Monday, Cyber Monday, November 27th, I'm going to have a special webinar that I'd love to have you participate in. Now, while everyone else is in a turkey coma or out shopping, imagine that you could be getting a better plan in place to start your side business by the end of the year. Yes, I mean by the end of this year, 2017. Now, of all the successful entrepreneurs, coaches, and even get-out-of-debtors that we've worked with over the years, the number one thing that launched them to their success was developing a side business. doesn't have to be complicated and often doesn't require any investment at all. But I found there are three main keys to starting a side business, and I'd like to end this holiday weekend with a special training to share those with you. This is going to be free training, three keys to starting your side business before January 1st. It's going to be Monday, November 27th at 7 o'clock p.m. Central. The right mindset, the right idea, and the right network. I mean, to get you started and brainstorming your right idea, I'm going to give you an instant download to my 10 ideas for a side biz, whether you're 8 or 80, just for signing up for the webinar. So go to 48days.com slash webinar, sign up, and I'll see you there Monday night. Well, here's some questions we're going to be looking at today. Dan, I seem to have no dreams or desires. Is this normal? Wow. Dan, how can I find more older workers to hire? That touches a nerve we've been talking about in the last few weeks. Dan, I'm working a position that I like okay, but doesn't pay me well at all. How can I meet influencers who can open doors for me? Well, we're going to be talking about those and more. I guess I got lots of good news as always. Older workers are making a comeback. Some other interesting things that are happening there. More questions if we can get to them. Let's start off here. Let's get right into it. We got our Cliff Feitner poem for the day. Cliff, very active in the 48dayseagles.com community. Writes poems every day. Here's one for today. When you are working your job, you may feel like part of a mob. It's not very funny. If you just work for money, at the end of the day, you just sob. Well, <laughs> a pretty poignant picture if you're just working for the money. You know, it blows my mind. I keep running into people who, in fact, are doing just that, working for the money. It's a sad way to live, friends. We want more than that. Money's not enough compensation for investing our time and energy. There has to be a sense of fulfillment, accomplishment, purpose, joy, victory, all those things. 
that's not part of your life today, make it a goal as we roll into a new year. You want that to be part of it. Here's a quotation. This comes from Dan Sullivan, my friend from um, the strategic coach. Dan Sullivan says, always make your future bigger than your past. Now that's pretty significant. You know, what if you're 65 years old? Do you really believe that your future is bigger than your past? Well, if you don't, what you do is essentially tell your body, hey, it's time to start shutting down. And we see that happen. I mean, you find somebody who really has clear purpose. It doesn't matter if they're 85, they're still doing things that matter. Now we're, we're here in, this is Thanksgiving week as I'm recording this and it'll be released. Well, it's a time to kind of look back, look around. You know, people often ask me, you know, what I think of the world today. Well, I'm an optimist. I mean, there's no question about that. I always see the glasses half full. You know, if I find a mailbox full of horse poop, you know, I'm looking around for a pony rather than looking for somebody to punish. I mean, it's just the way I'm wired, the way I think. So I'm an optimist. And even in world affairs today, despite the attention grabbing headlines that we see, you know, the latest shocking incidents, which news just seems to want to cram down our throats. It's just sickening. You know, yeah, there's some things to be concerned about. But overall, I really believe that people being born today, whatever country, whatever circumstances, have a better chance than ever before of living worthwhile, meaningful, productive, profitable lives. You know, and in the meantime, as inhabitants of this little tiny planet spinning around in universal space, I think there's a lot of worse times behind us. And I'm confident that we can, in general, find much to be grateful for. My list of things that I'm grateful for is very long. I mean, the friends I have, the health I have, the wife I have, the kids I have, the life I get to live each day, the freedoms I have to go wherever I want, try any new idea that gets my attention, test those ideas in a free marketplace where I can add value for somebody and they willingly give me those certificates of appreciation that we recognize as dollars. I mean, well, I could go on and on and on. So I trust you're listing the things that you're thankful for this week as well. Well, I want to tell you a little bit more about our business partner today being FreshBooks. You know, that's the ridiculously easy cloud accounting software for freelancers or anybody who wants to keep track of where their finances are, keep things in line. I have my income categorized in multiple different income categories so I can look at individually. How is this area of business doing? How's this area? What are expenses like in these areas? And I just can't imagine not having that information. Now, I'm not a nerd when it comes to analytics by any means or in any application, but I want to know that there's money coming in and I want to see that we're controlling expenses. I mean, I'm on a quest right now to reduce a lot of overhead, a lot of apps that we have, but we have tons of apps that, you know, just kind of crept in over the years, things we may not be using anymore. And as those come due, 
at the end of the year here. I'm watching those and eliminated a whole bunch of those. Those are the kind of things you can do when you have fresh books in place. Hey, I encourage you, just go claim your month-long, unrestricted, free trial, no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days and enter 48 days in the how did you hear about us section. All right, you know, we got some good news. As always, good news coming up here. This is a real cool, cool story. You know that I'm a car guy. So here's a guy who sacrificed his Tesla to save an unconscious driver. But I want you to hear the rest of the story on this. This is a really cool twist. So even though a Tesla and Model S is worth thousands of dollars, this guy didn't hesitate to sacrifice it in order to do the right thing and save another man's life. So 41-year-old Manfred Keek was driving down the Autobahn, a federally controlled highway with no mandated speed limit. I mean, don't you love that? No speed limit. When he saw a Volkswagen swerving dangerously across the road. I mean, curious, he pulled up beside it, peered into the windows only to see that the driver had fallen unconscious against the steering wheel. So... 41-year-old Manfred pulled his Model S Tesla in front of the Volkswagen and braked it down until both of the cars came to a halt. He then ran back to the man's side, performed first aid until emergency medical technicians arrived, and took the unconscious driver to a hospital in Munich, Germany. Officials said they thought the man had reportedly suffered a stroke of some kind, and now he's in stable condition. Now, Manfred, with his beautiful Tesla had over $10,000 in repair cost. Guess who offered to pay the cost of that without question? Elon Musk, CEO of Tesla. He says, congratulations to the Tesla owner, sacrificed damage to his own car to bring a car with an unconscious driver safely to a stop. In appreciation, Tesla is provided all repair costs free of charge and to get it done quickly. Now, you know, you may say, well, it's easy for a billionaire to do. Yeah, it is. But how many, you know, I mean, we need to recognize billionaires who take the time to recognize an individual in need and reward them for something like that. I mean, I love those kind of stories. Well, here's another one. This is a, a young lady invites a lonely widower to dinner date. He arrives with suit and flowers. Now, don't think this is some kind of, you know, preying on an old man, you know, kind of seductive thing. Just get that out of your brain. Ellie Walker was heartbroken when she heard that Edwin Holmes would be spending Christmas Day alone. So she invited him to dinner here over the holiday break. When he showed up for the date, he arrived wearing his best suit with flowers in hand, reducing Ellie to tears. Now, 86-year-old Edwin has lived alone since his wife passed away in 2006, and his children all live in Australia. Ellie, who works at a retail store in Leeds, England, had always considered Edwin her favorite customer. So when she heard about his loneliness, she didn't hesitate to ask him to dinner. So the two have enjoyed regular lunches and coffee meetups since their initial dinner. Well, he talks about how it made him cry when, when she invited him just to spend some time just over dinner talking about how things are going. And Ellie says, for me, it's the most important, important part of my job to speak with customers and see how their day is going. 
So here's a retail clerk who just took the initiative to do something special for a customer that she recognized was going to be lonely during the holiday time here. You know, years and years ago, Joanna and I were living in Bowling Green, Kentucky. I was just finishing my master's degree probably at the time. And as part of our church, we were going to a church there where they had Thanksgiving baskets to distribute to needy people in the community. We took our, at the time, uh, two little boys with us and delivered a basket of Thanksgiving goodies to an elderly gentleman who lived in an old dilapidated house. And we discovered his wife was gone. They had no children. He had no living relatives of any kind that he knew of. He stayed in one room in that little house. There was a single hanging light bulb, not even a light fixture of any kind, but a single hanging light bulb in that room. His legs had really deteriorated to the point that he had trouble bending from his hips down. So he would swing himself into his bed and stay there all day long, simply with the TV on. Now we delivered a Thanksgiving basket to him, but we recognized this is one day out of the year. This guy has nobody who's checking on him, nobody who really cares. And he's just there. I mean, he would get out like once every two weeks and hobble along. He would push a grocery cart and shuffle along behind it up to the little grocery store to get supplies and go back home. And what, what kind of life is that? Well, we decided that we were going to bring him in as part of our family. And we did. And for the next probably 10 years until he died, we had him as an integral part of our family. Charles Early. I mean, our kids could all tell you about Charles Early. We would go spend hours with this guy and talk and listen to his stories. He was a hilarious guy. Funny stories. Well, and the city came through and was going to put a street in. We helped in the negotiations where he got a reasonable amount for his house that they then condemned, but it was enough to build a really nice new house. And I had a contractor friend who we contacted who took care of the details on that and built a really nice house for him. So it made it much more convenient for him with the condition that he was in. And then in the new neighborhood, he made friends with the next door neighbor lady who they, they shared, they, they kind of shared expenses and supported each other. She had a house next door. He had this nice new house as well. She would check in on him as well, but we stuck with him until he died. But here's a guy, I mean, this is a time of year where we ought to be able to look around and see people who, who don't have anybody, who don't have family, who could use a smile, could use a friend. What a great time to just reach out. Well, here's another one more, and then we'll go into questions. A veteran burst into tears when Dennis sees his teeth and gives him $15,000 of work for free. So this was a chance meeting at a gym by retired Air Force Staff Sergeant David Tyler, David Tyler Harmon. So it met when he met Dr. David Nigan during a workout and learned that David was a dentist. So the Air Force veteran decided to book an appointment with him for a teeth cleaning. But when it was time for an examination, Dr. Nigan took one look at the veteran's teeth and was shocked. I came in for a cleaning and he was like, oh my goodness. And I started telling him about all the pain I'm in. 
the sergeant recall, recalled. And then the doctor says there was infection in his gum tissue, a lot of cracked teeth everywhere, a lot of crowding, a lot of grinding problems. I mean, the dental problems were made even more severe by the head trauma David had received during multiple tours in active duty. And the cost to fix those problems was not a small sum. It was greater than $15,000. But the doctor said, you know, he'd submit paperwork to the VA. And, uh, you know, the surgeon said, really, that probably wasn't even necessary because he knew it was going to take a very long time if they did that. And the doctor says, you know what? You need to get this handled right away. And that's when he just decided he was going to do it entirely free of charge. You know, a lot of you have skills where you have something that would be of value to other people. Something that just based on what you do daily anyway, you could do for somebody in need. I mean, what a cool thing to have a skill like that. You may be a landscaper and you can go clean up somebody's yard here in the fall. Somebody who is a widow or widower or somehow a single mom. You know, you may be, golly, you may be a dentist or a physician or pharmacist. You may be a chiropractor, massage therapist. I mean, there are all kinds of things that some of you probably have skills in doing where you could just use those skills in a very significant way to make a difference right there in your community. You don't have to go to Haiti or go to some foreign country. I mean, sometimes we think, well, you know, when, I, when it suits, then I'll go on a missions trip. No, make it a missions trip right in your own backyard. And those are the kind of things Joanna and I recognize and have always responded to more than things in a foreign country. All right, let me go into some questions here. I got a bunch of things we want to cover here, but here, this comes from Curtis. Now this just breaks my heart. Curtis says, I purchased your seminar participation kit four months ago and completed everything. Now our seminar participation kit is the most robust training program we have. It's 12 sessions. There's 48 videos with me in there walking through the principles of understanding yourself, knowing how God has uniquely gifted you, knowing your personality tendencies, understanding your values, dreams, and passions. And from those then to create a clear focus and move right into getting a job, getting a promotion, starting your own business in whatever application is appropriate for you. So Curtis says, I purchased your seminar participation, get four months ago, completed everything, but I appear to be stuck. Listen to this. I have searched my heart, but I seem to have no dreams or desires to focus on in order to move forward. Is this normal? I also read all your books, including 48 Days to the Work You Love. I've also completed the disc profile. Am I missing something here? Oh my gosh. I want just to grab the phone. Now, I hope I get the chance to do that because I didn't have a phone number, but I, I reached out immediately. I said, Curtis, oh no. So yes, something is absolutely missing here. I can't accept the fact that you have no dreams or desires. How is that possible? I mean, what do you do on weekends when you're not working? Have you ever felt like you were in the zone? What books do you read? What relationships are important to you? I mean, those are all things that give us clues. There's clues in those things. And there's clues in looking at our life, what got us to where we are, where we ought to see patterns emerge. Wow, it's when I'm doing this that I really come alive. It's when I'm doing this that I recognize the talents I have are really a blessing to others. Now, some, sometimes 
And I'm going to follow up on this. I mean, believe me, I'll give you an update on this because I cannot stand having somebody who's been through the 48 day seminar who says they have no dreams or passions or desires identified. I mean, I really uh, have a hard time getting my head around that. I mean, I, 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 I have a hard time understanding. I mean, when I walk down the lane here from the sanctuary down to the mailbox, God, I see things that trigger ideas. I mean, I see beautiful birds or I see a rainbow or I see a squirrel run across the path or a rabbit. I mean, all those things just inspire me, give me ideas, give me life principles. You know, I wish I could um, encounter people who are persist as persistent as those squirrels are. Golly, I wish I could find people who seem to enjoy life as much as the two little baby rabbits that are chasing each other. I mean, those things inspire me, give me new ideas. Sometimes just breaking the sameness of what we're doing will prompt new ideas. Now, if, you, if, if you're stuck, you know, and Curtis, certainly for you, but there are others probably experiencing the same thing. I mean, drive a different route home today. Read a book you would not normally read. Write your name with the hand opposite your normal dominance to see how it wakes up your brain. Try brushing your teeth with the hand that you normally do not use. <laughs> I mean, take time to help a stranded motorist like the story that we just talked about here. I mean, volunteer to help on a community project. I mean, recently there was a, a big barbecue festival here in town. And as part of that, they had a car show. Well, I volunteered, you know, showed up, got my t-shirt and I got to check the cars. in. we had about 85 cars check in all these old exotic, classic muscle cars. I mean, what a hoot. I love that. Got to talk to a whole bunch of really interesting people. I mean, you can't do something like that without being inspired, experiencing things that are going to wake something up in you. You know, and welcome the unexpected things that might happen to you even this week. Welcome those things as what will this make possible moments? I mean, who knows what creative ideas or solutions you may discover. And above all, keep believing that you have a unique purpose for being here. Now, without dreams and passions, your life is going to be very boring and utilitarian. No doubt about it. I mean, I have a gentleman I'm working with right now. He comes from one of the Asian countries where they have a really strong work ethic. So he thought his only responsibility was to be a good provider for his family and just make money. So he's done that very, very well. He makes a lot of money. He has no life. He, he, I, I told him recently, I said, we could be, you we could replace you with a robot because you simply get up in the morning. He's out at seven 30. He's back at seven 30 at night. He has his 401k, you know, he has his investments working. They have some rental properties and he's growing his financial net worth. Well, guess what? All of a sudden his kids are going off to college. They don't really need him anymore. They're self-sufficient. I mean, he can feel gratified in having raised them well, but they don't really need him. And all of a sudden he's wondering, why is he doing what he's doing? Why does he continue just making more money? I mean, for what reason? I mean, if you're just making money, like the, the Cliff Feitner poem that we started off with today, if all you're getting from your work is just a paycheck, boy, that's not enough. That's not enough. Hey, one other little story here. There's a classic little book titled, I Dare You. It's just a 
wonderful little book that I refer to frequently. In there, there's a story about a professor who hit upon a great discovery while buttoning up his vest. Or rather, he, he really got the discovery because his vest wouldn't button up. His daughter had accidentally sewed up some of the buttonholes by mistake. So his fingers are going along in the usual, you know, the intricate operations of buttoning a button. And then something happened, a button wouldn't button. So his fingers fumbled helplessly for a minute. And then it sounded out a call for, call for help. His mind woke up. I mean, his eyes looked down and a new idea was born. I mean, what this professor had discovered was that fingers can remember. You know how automatic things can become, riding a bicycle, I mean, using a keyboard, or even driving home from the office. Well, often have you done that where you don't even remember doing it. It's so automatic. So then the professor began playing pranks on the kids in his classes, and he found the answer was always the same. As long as they could keep on doing the things they had always done, their minds wouldn't work. It was only when he figuratively sewed up their buttonholes, stole their notebooks, locked the doors, upset their routine, that any real thinking was done. See, keeping things the same, while it may be comfortable, keeping things the same may also be keeping you stupid. So my advice is, sew up some buttonholes in your life. Require that you have to do things differently in some way. I mean, read a book that you normally wouldn't read. I mean, do those kind of things to wake up your brain. Now, if you're, if you're in a funk, and this is a tough time of year for a lot of people. I mean, we know that this is a challenging time. We go into the holidays and people who don't have family or they have sabotaged relationships that were once meaningful to them. And they're going into the end of the year and realize that, gee, I didn't make any more money and I made the year before. You know, what's the point? I mean, there's a lot of discouragement that surfaces this time of year. Let me give you some quick points to break that cycle of discouragement or losing. Start with doing what you can to stay sharp physically. I mean, if that's walking two miles a day, then start with that. And when you're out, like I notice the birds, the children, the trees, the sky as you're walking. Number two, spend at least two hours every day reading or listening to positive, uplifting materials. Last night, Joanne was out. She was actually having dinner with our son, just the two of them together, which they do often. I was home alone. The, I, I did not sit down and turn the TV on. It's the last thing I want to do when I'm by myself because I don't find that inspiring. I sat in our living room in my favorite chair, but I instead pulled up a couple latest podcasts that I want to listen to. And I sat there in the dark listening to those podcasts, positive, pure, uplifting, encouraging kind of content. What I listened to was uh, actually my son, Kevin, who does the Zig Ziglar podcast. I listened to his latest podcast where he interviewed Kevin Harrington, one of the original sharks from Shark Tank. But I listened to material like that. So I listened for a couple hours rather than flipping on the TV and seeing things that are that uh, glamorize horrendous relationships or uh, glamorize horrible things that are happening around the world. Well, let me get away from that. So start with what you're doing to stay sharp physically. Spend at least two hours a day reading or listening to positive uplifting materials. Number three, invite a friend or treat yourself to a great concert. I mean, here in the Nashville area, 
my gosh, they're amazing concerts at local universities and churches every week. Sunday night, Joanne and I went to a token show at the Ryman, the old historic Ryman Auditorium, downtown Nashville. Um, the token show put on by our good friend, Dr. Lee Camp, who's professor of religion and theology at Lipscomb University. But I mean, we can go to things like that every night. Matter of fact, last, last week, we had almost every night we did go to things because here during the holidays, there's so many things going on that you can take advantage of. Number four, take a class. I mean, there's so many places that offer free career transition classes, workshops, seminars on things. I mean, I take classes on a lot of things, just areas of interest. I mean, I took a class one time on contemplative prayer just because it was an area of interest for me. And I saw a four-week class being offered through one of the big Methodist church in Brentwood. Man, I signed up. I mean, I love going to things like that. Well, number five, volunteer to help someone else. I mean, a man once asked Dr. Carl Menninger, who was a very world-renowned psychoanalyst, what would you advise a person to do if he felt a nervous breakdown coming on? Now, a lot of people would expect him to say, you know, consult a psychiatrist, as he was one. To their astonishment, he replied, lock up your house, go across the railroad tracks, find someone in need and do something to help that person. I mean, you can help at one of the prisons, the Union Mission, the Salvation Army, do wonders for you, helping you see your own brighter future. Well, let me go on here. Well, here's another piece I just wanted to pull out. Older workers are making a comeback. Now, you've heard me talk recently about people who think there's age discrimination going on. Well, here's what's happening. As the U.S. labor market grows tighter with each passing month and unemployment is so low, I mean, companies like Ford and IBM and Barclays, I mean, they're beginning to specifically court experienced workers who want to stay in or get back in the working world. I mean, there are companies that are looking for people who have retired. They're specifically targeting them. It says this move marks a major reversal of fortune for America's older workers who suffered during the last recession and have seemingly been hit by age bias. Well, companies are finding that these workers bring valuable experience and skills to the table. Now you can, you can Google this. I mean, older workers are making a comeback. I mean, this thing that we keep hearing here about, gee, well, you know, nobody's going to hire a 53 year old. Are you kidding me? Well, here's another note got from a listener, Dave Posner. Uh, Dave is from Los Angeles. So check this out. Dave says, I was listening to your recent show with a gentleman who was convinced he was a victim of age discrimination, and he tried to challenge you to pay for coaching if he wasn't able to get a good job paying after going through that coaching. He was convinced this would prove him right. Well, I believe the age issue of age can act as a red flag that raises other real questions or concerns. For example, why would a 65-year-old want to work as a retail clerk in a clothing store for teenagers? Now, that could be considered age discrimination on the surface, but if it isn't the age, that would be the main concern as it would be the other possible issues raised and the obvious question of if such a person would be a good fit for that type of position and environment. All right, so Dave says, 
I'm a department manager for an international insurance broker. We have offices all over the U.S. and in several other countries. Recently, I was looking to hire a new employee for a position that required approximately 10 10 years of work experience. I interviewed a gentleman who appeared to be 60 years old or older. My concern was that he would not want to work for the salary the position called for or that he would soon become bored soon after hiring him. However, after speaking with him further and getting my concerns addressed, I hired him. So far, he's been working out wonderfully and appears to be a great fit for our organization. My concerns were not really because of his age, but what his age might mean or represent. He was able to address and alleviate my concerns, so I hired him. The issue of age cannot be ignored, but it alone is not, all caps, a bar from employment. Instead, it is a symptom of the real and true concerns a hiring manager might have. An applicant might that might be worried that age could be an issue should role play and analyze what the real issues might be ahead of time so he or she can be prepared to address those concerns head on. Thank you for all you do and for being my online mentor, Dave. Well, Dave, thanks for your input. I love hearing from you as a, as a hiring manager, your experience in looking specifically for the maturity, the value that an older worker can bring and recognizing and again, confirming my firm belief that it ain't age. It's something else. If people don't want you on their team, it's something else. Well, hey, a couple of quick points here. Um, Aaron Kerr has been an active member of the 48 Days community for many years now. Aaron is the one that you've re- heard me refer to where he took content in the public domain. He did a compilation of Anne of Green Gables, put it up on Amazon and made $29,000 in 60 days. I think it was his original thing. Aaron has a course and I've recommended it before, but he's got a deal going on right now. Unlike anything we've, we've had at all. He's got his course on how to find and market things in the public domain. And he's selling it for $48 this week. Now, normally it's 96, so it's half price. And he made it the beautiful number 48. I'm not sure why he just sent me a note. And I said, oh my gosh, I can't wait to share this with people. Now, here's some of the things from Aaron personally. And you could see this. I'll give you the site to go to. It's a lengthy URL. I'll put it in the show notes but look for the public domain course from Aaron Kerr and I'll have it in there. So I'll put the link to that in there so you can find it. But here's some of the things that Aaron has experienced over 175,000 eBooks sold. He got to the number one overall Kindle bestseller rating a couple different times, and he's gotten over $110,000 in royalties. Now this is in the last three years And all this happened, he says, as a side business while he still works a full-time job. So it's a side hustle for him doing what he's done in public domain. This is one of those areas, I mean, I have threatened my team for years now that sometime I'm going to take an entire year off and do nothing but research and bring back to life content in the public domain. Now, public domain, it just simply means that copyrights have not been renewed. Essentially, anything before 19. 23 is in the public domain. There are millions of pages of government works. I mean, the government works are all in public domain. And there have been people who have just compiled information out of the government systems and made it in a useful form for people. And they sell that. I mean, perfectly legitimate, legal, 
but this is something that you want to take advantage of. So again, learn how to generate passive income by publishing public domain content. That course this week is $48. Check the show notes, 48days.com. Go to the podcast. You'll see in the show notes, the link to go right to that. All right. Kathy says she has ideas for coaching her three teen and two preteen grandkids on purpose, passion, direction in life. But she needs to make a living at the same time. She has a lot of resources and she'd like to gear this material toward pre-adults, but she'd like to develop her own course of training on the subject to be used as one of her coaching programs. Now I want to read you another question as well. And then we'll look at ways to leverage these because they both address the same kind of thing. What if you have a heart for helping kids, but you need to make a living? So this comes from Lee who says, Dan, I'm working a position that I like. Okay. But it doesn't pay well at all. I facilitate small group sessions that help youth with their problems and promote good decision making. I come up with activities and games and questions that keep participants engaged. The immediate rewards are attentiveness, laughter, hands being raised, time passing quickly because they're having so much fun discussing and hugs as kids walk out. I enjoy talking to people, giving practical advice on issues like dating or dealing with family problems and preparing lessons. My previous job was very stressful and dealt with child abuse. There I enjoyed motivational interviewing, educating people about what to expect and planning how I'd attack my day. What are some careers I could transition to or jobs I could create that line up with my strengths? I have my bachelor's degree. The only thing I'm sure of regarding potential career plans is that I want to learn a foreign language in 2018. Thank you, dear Lee. Well, thanks for your note, Lee. Um, Thanks for sharing your goal that you want to learn a foreign language in 2008. I love those clear, identifiable, specific goals that you all are sharing. Now, both of these talk about you know, they work with youth. Now, Lee says she works with youth with their problems, promote good decision making, you know, help help with their problems and good decision making. Wow. See, that is application in environments that pay a lot of money for that. I mean, you could do exactly that in corporate environments and get paid as a consultant. I mean, when you, when you describe the things that you do, you come up with activities, games, questions that keep participants engaged, time passes quickly, they're attentive, the laughter, hands being raised, time passing quickly. Wow, that, that's cool kind of thing. I mean, there are corporations that pay for somebody to come in and facilitate that kind of interaction. And I would encourage you to do exactly that. Look for ways to do exactly what you are doing now, but in places where you get paid well to do that. Then you can do the work you describe you're doing now as part of your service to your community. Now, here's an example. At 48 Days, I mean, we're able to provide free products and services to prisons and charitable organizations because we have other areas of our business that are profitable. I mean, that's why. I would encourage you to look for opportunities to do exactly that. When I was building the businesses that I have today. I did a lot of corporate workshops on leadership development. We would do personality profiles. I would allow up to 20 people in every group. And then I'd go in and debrief the personality profiles and talk to them about how to maximize their leadership skills based on what they now know about themselves. I mean, you can be introverted 
and still be an effective leader. You can be real data-driven and be an effective leader. You can be outgoing. You can be gregarious. You can be dominant. You can be, I mean, it doesn't matter. But how do you shape that into being an effective leader or manager, knowing your personality profile? So I was doing that. And I did that as a three-hour workshop. Now, this has been 20 years ago. And I charged at that time $3,500 for a three-hour workshop. Again, I would have limited 20 people. So I go into organizations like General Electric, um, Cali Deutsche Bank, where I would take people that they wanted to be leaders and managers. Deutsche Bank at the time had 20,000 employees. So I did those over a period of four years where I would usually spend a couple days a month. And incidentally, I would do one workshop in the morning, one in the afternoon, lunch with whoever they wanted me to. And they charged, they paid me $8,000 a day to do that. So it was a very lucrative kind of engagement. And I was simply doing the same kind of things that I do with individuals now, but I looked for a way to do it where somebody is used to writing those big checks and doesn't blink an eye. Well, not to take advantage of companies, but I mean, it's, it's an environment where they value that kind of training. I think they got great value out of having reduced turnover after having promoted people into positions of leadership. And that's exactly what we were looking for. So we had clear deliverables. I went in, did those workshops, but Lee and Kathy, both, you're talking about doing this with kids and I commend you on doing that. It's, it's tough to turn that into really profitable business when you're doing it with kids. Find environments where it's very profitable to do that so that you have that be the financial provider for your business. And then you can do this. I mean, I like, I like to still consider that I tithe my time. So if I work 50 hours a week, I'm going to have five hours that I can donate to just worthy causes or ministry coaching that I do with somebody or having lunch with people. I mean, that's still a part of what I do now. Can I do that 20 hours a week? No, I mean, I can't do that. So do I always, do I fulfill all the requests? No, I can't do that, but I can do that reasonable part just as a time and talent tithe, just like I would do a financial tithe, but a time and talent tithe. And you can do the same thing. So do the work that is meaningful to you that you describe here, but don't try to force that to be the only way that you're creating income. Well, you know, I'm going to wrap up here. I've, I've got some other questions and I've got an interview. I've got a short interview that I did with Michael Stelsner, but I want to just tell you about that rather than do play the interview today. I'll do that in an upcoming week. We're talking about social media marketing world. It's going to be, in February. It actually starts February 28th and then runs the next two days, March 1st and 2nd. And this is in San Diego, California. I'll put a link. I've got a link that I want you to use. Obviously it's an affiliate link. And if you're going to go, I want you to use that link because it's going to be one of those amazing times. People ask a lot why I still go to conferences. You know, isn't there a time when you just kind of don't do that anymore? Workshops, conferences, reading books and all. Well, not for me. I mean, I tell people if I ever stop learning, man, dig a hole and push me in, I'm done. Well, 
It's at conferences like these where I was able to first meet my mentors. People like Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, Kelly Mark Victor Hansen, Tommy Hopkins, Michael Hyatt, Brenda Bouchard. I mean, people like that. I met them by going to conferences and got to meet those people. I mean, all those people personally and a whole lot more. Developed relationships, got endorsements for my books from some of those people that I mentioned. I still go to conferences to continue building relationships, perhaps with people that you're more familiar with in this space, people like John Lee Dumas, John and Kate, Pat Flynn, Chris and Erz Ducker. Golly, Chris has a virtual staffing company in the Philippines, has 450 people working for him. He has Upreneur, an online community, recently moved from the Philippines back to England, where they... Uh, uh, purchased a delightful home. He just did his first big summit there at an amazing conference. But uh, last year at the Social Media Marketing World Conference, Chris and Erz, his delightful wife, and Joanne and I had a three-hour lunch. I mean, it's for reasons like that that we go to these conferences. Now, at Social Media Marketing World, I mean, this is for anybody, and I'll play the, the interview that I just did with Michael Stelsner, who is the organizer, the CEO of the conference, just a, a great guy. I love him as a friend as well as a, a business connection. But it's for anybody who's doing a podcast, blogging, interested in how to use Facebook, interested in Amazon selling interested in doing a side business of some kind. I mean, the list just goes on and on. It's a big seminar. There are concurrent workshops that are going on about 20 at any given time. So you can take your pick about a topic that interests you. But what's as important are the networking opportunities that come along. You I mean, there's a big networking plaza for the entire event. We're going to have a 48 days table for the entire conference in that networking plaza. On Friday, I'm going to have several people in my mastermind there with me to offer free coaching sessions. Now, these are totally free. We're just going to line people up as they requested. I'm going to block out the lunch hour specifically for any 48 days eagles to eat lunch with us. Joanne will be there with me. So it's going to be for 48 days eagles, people who are in the 48 days eagles community. So if you're going to register, I mean, obviously, yeah, I'm going to promote that you come. I mean, you ought to be looking for opportunities to increase your level of success. And that's one that's going to address things that are a whole lot of you are interested in. This is how you open doors of opportunity to move forward with your success by connecting with people like that. So check for the 48 days link in, in our podcast notes today, check for the link to social mar- marketing world, social media marketing world that's going to be in February 2018. Now's the time. I mean, I've already got our hotel and flights handled for that. Uh, we're going to be taking a little detour through Colorado to visit Kevin, my son, his family and their kids. So we, we love those opportunities. So we make our, our trips are always a combination of work and play. It's never just business. I don't just get on a plane and disappear for a few days, you know, and come back. No, Joanne goes with me. We had extra days because San Diego is a pretty cool place to be. It starts, the, the conference starts off on Wednesday night with a big party on the USS Midway. 
the aircraft carrier that's now a museum. It's spectacular. You can get in simulators and, uh, you know, pretend you're flying an airplane yourself. There's food everywhere. And that's where you can start connecting with people who can open doors of opportunity for you. Great, great time out there that we're going to have. Be delighted to see you out there. Again, check out the link, my affiliate link for attending. You can choose what kind of a ticket that you want. My gosh, you can choose a ticket that uh, gets you into everything if you want to. You can that gets you into all the sessions. You can choose a ticket that gives you just the keynote addresses and access to all the networking. So don't go to any of the sessions. I mean, I love the fact that they have that opportunity where you can go just for the big keynotes and spend three days just connecting with people, catching people in the hallway, in the networking area, talking to vendors. I mean, there'll be, uh, I mean, Barnes & Noble will be there with all kinds of books that are relevant to that. We'll have a couple of our titles in there, I'm sure. And that's where we meet new vendors and meet the people from ConvertKit, meet the people from Thinkific, the people that can help open doors if you want to get a course online or something like that. This is a place to do it. So those are opportunities that just are unending out there. And uh, we encourage you to take advantage of that. Check out the link. Hey, thanks for being part of that. I, I get so many things that I'm excited about. I can't get to everything that I want to here in the short period of time we've got for a podcast each week. But I thank you for being part of this community where, in fact, we all together are finding and creating ways to create work that is meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. And you know, right now here in Thanksgiving week, wow, we're not only creating work that is meaning, meaningful and fulfilling, we're creating lives, relationships, legacies that are meaningful and fulfilling. Thanks for being part of this group.